Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're too kind. Thank you so much. I'm always glad to be here. This church is home to me. Good to see all of you that I can see. It's kind of like being in, on a stage in a play that I'm not very good at. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I got here by faith. You get where you, any, any place that's worth being, you get there by faith. Amen. Amen. My wife used to get mad at me because we'd take off to go someplace. She said, you know where we're going? I said, no, but the roads there are all connected to the road that goes by my house. Let's go by faith. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Right. I always got there, too. I uh, remember last time I was here, I don't remember what I preached on. I think I preached a sermon along these lines. I really just have one sermon to preach nowadays. I preach New Covenant realities. New Covenant realities. Because I find that the Church of God is still stuck in the Old Testament. Everywhere I go, I find the people of God, the sons and daughters of the Almighty God, still stuck in the Old Covenant. Which the Bible says is passing away. I'm not saying there's not anything in there for you. Of course, all scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable. But listen to me. That's not where it describes you. That's where it describes the Jew. New covenant describes you. Amen. You understand this? And today I'm going to talk to you about some of the realities that are yours in the new covenant. Hebrews chapter 8. Let's turn there. Hebrews chapter 8. Is the new covenant for the Jew and the Gentile. And it's potent stuff. Start reading with verse 10. Just call this message New Covenant Realities. I think I told y'all last time I was here, I sometimes sound like I've got rocks in my mouth or I've had too much to drink. I promise you, I do not have rocks in my mouth. <laughs> Hebrews 8, verse 10. <laughs> Hebrews 8, verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will, will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a, a people. They shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know, know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. I want to talk to you about five things in this as quickly as I possibly can. You have as a new covenant reality in your life, you have the knowledge of God. You have the revelation of the Spirit. You have a God to worship. A God to worship. That way you can take your eyes off of your stuff. 
and your life and worship God. You have a position with God and you have a relationship with God, with Jesus. That's what that says that we just read. Notice verse 10 again. This new covenant reality says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will write, saith the Lord, I will write, put my laws in their mind. Where is he going to put your law, his laws? In your mind. It matters to God what you think about. He wants you thinking about him and what he says. But he did, does, not, does not say you've got to go memorize the Ten Commandments like I did when I was a kid. He said he's going to put them in your mind. They come in there when the Holy Ghost comes in there. The author of the law comes into your life and you live it by nature without having to have somebody stand over you like with a stick. It is the will of God for you to know His will for you. Colossians 4.12 says, And that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. All the will of God. Not just sometimes knowing the will of God, but all the will of God. It is God's will for you to know things. Know what He wants. Know what He expects of you. Know what is yours. More than yeah. anything, what is yours? Yeah. You know, if we could just get a hold of what is, what is ours. But I find that the, the church is so confused on this. It's confused as a dog at a whistler's convention <laughs> about this. Don't know whether they're supposed to keep the law or whether or not. And uh, I uh, have a story I want to tell you about a woman years ago that, that, that I was sent to by one of my associates. My assistant pastor came to me and said, Pastor John, would you go see my mother-in-law? She's dying. I said, what's she dying of? He said, well, old age. Well, she wasn't very, very old to me. He said, 75 or something like that. It's not old. Not old. A lot, a lot younger than it used to be. Anyway, so I went over to see her. I said, well, you know what to do. He said, yeah, but she won't listen to me. She told me she's not interested in getting healed. He said, oh, she's interested in going to heaven. I said, well, I'll go talk to her. So I went over to her house, walked in there, and she was real nice to me. She didn't go to our church, but she was a Christian. She said, I know who sent you, Dr. I mean, Pastor John. I said, okay. She said, no, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in getting healed. I want to go to heaven. I'm ready to die and go to heaven. I'm not interested in fighting for my healing. I believe in healing, but I don't want to be healed. I want to go to heaven. I said, okay. I know how to do that, too. Because I, I have prayed for some people that died in any way. So I can do that. I, I can help you out there. <laughs> so I went over there and I prayed for her. I, I, I didn't pray for her to get healed. I prayed for her to go to heaven. I said, if you're going to heaven, you need to kind of prepare for it. She said, what do I do? She, I said, let's read it. Let's read what heaven's like. She said, where is it? I said, it's in the Bible. She said, where at? I said, the last two chapters of the Bible describe heaven in full detail. She said, oh, I want to see that. So I turned to Revelation 21 and read Revelation 21 and 22 to her. I sat there and read it out loud to her for about 30 minutes, just really dramatizing it, you know. She sat over there the whole time, dobbing tears with, with a tissue, dobbing tears, just like that. Kept saying, no, that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. After I was done, I said, I said, what do you think of that? She said, I'd love to know where it is. I said, it's the last two chapters of the book, ma'am. Open your Bible, turn right, go to the stop sign. It's right there at the end. <laughs> she said, okay. 
She said, I'm going to read it every, I said, you should read this pretty often, you know, kind of remind you where you're going. She said, I'm going to read it every day. I said, okay, do that. Read it every day. So I started reading it every day. Time and a half went by. I asked my associate one day, after about six or eight months, I said, what about your mother-in-law? Did she pass away? You didn't tell me anything. She said, he said, oh, no, I forgot to tell you, she got healed. <laughs> I said, that's not what I went over there for. I didn't go over there to get her healed. What happened? He said, well, she's reading the Bible and every day. And I, I picked up the Bible myself and I read it again. I found why she got healed because of verse 2, right in the middle of those two chapters, verse 2 of chapter 22 says, and the leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nations. Wow. Oh, yes. She got well. She lived a long time after that. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. God wants you to know what's yours. Yes. Somebody yes. asked me, they ask me all the time because of the way I walk now, the way I sound. They say, how are you feeling, Dr. Holler? How are you feeling, Pastor John? I said, who cares? What difference does that make, how I feel? Makes no difference at all. All that matters is what the Bible says. And my confession of that is that I'm healed by His stripes. Amen. Glory to God. That's all, that, that's all that matters. Just keep talking what God talks. No matter how it looks to you, no matter how it feels to you. I don't feel good every day. Who cares? I'm walking by faith. You walk by faith and not by sight. Glory to God. Verse 10 says, and write them in their hearts. Now, not only in your head, but he wants you to have a, have a revelation of this too. A revelation that will take you someplace in the spirit. Not only in your head, in your brain, in your, in your mind, but also in, in your inner man. Not your, not your heart, not your blood pump, but your inner man. Your heart is your spirit man. God says, I will write them in their hearts. That means... You have this as a believer in Jesus. You have the law of God, the word of God written on your heart. It's in you. Why? Because the author lives in you. The author lives in you. Amen. The author of the word of God lives on the inside of you. The guy that wrote the Bible lives in your heart. That's not a euphemism. That's the truth. He's there by his spirit. Amen. He's inside you. The answer is always inside you. The answer is always inside you. I'm going to throw this in. I didn't put it in my notes, but could you put it up on the board? Romans 10, Romans 10, verse 5, Romans 10, 5 and 6. Romans 10, 5 and 6, which says, And Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man that does those things shall live by them. And look at verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks like this. Say not in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from, from above. Verse 7. Or who shall descend into the, into the deep? That is to bring Christ up again from, from the, the dead. What he's saying is, you don't really need Jesus to do anything else for you. He's already done all he's going to do. I need him to stay seated at the right hand of God ruling over my life. And he gave me his spirit, gave me his name, gave me this wonderful thing called faith to rule and reign in my life right here on earth, right now. I just praise him for what he gave me and act like it's done in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. 
had to preach. I like the way you preach. I don't care if they're with you or not. I was uh, thinking about this revelation. Martin Luther was a tormented little monk, little German monk. He was tormented, 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 thinking he could never be good enough to be right with God. He loved God, but he hated God at the same time. He, he admitted to this. He loved God and hated God at the same time. Wanted to love Him. When he read about Jesus, he loved Him. But when he read about His wrath, he hated Him. He couldn't understand anything until he got a revelation of the revelation that God gave Paul. And what God gave Paul was a real revelation of the Spirit of God comes to Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, wherein? In the gospel. Therein in the gospel, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. Martin Luther got a, got a hold of that. And wrote a 95-point thesis, a sermon, with 95 points. You'd be lucky that you got five points today. <laughs> Feel lucky. Sermon with 95 points, and they nailed it to the Wittenberg Castle Church door in Germany, Wittenberg, Germany, and sparked the greatest re revival that's ever been. It's lasted 500 years this year. October the 31st will be the 500th anniversary of that writing of that sermon. It changed the whole world. Amen. We're here because of him. We're not doing all this rig and roll because of him. You see what I mean? Not, 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 nothing wrong with you doing that, but you don't have to do that. He's inside your heart. He's not out here outside. He's inside. And a revelation of that tells you that God is on the inside of you. That means every answer you need is on the inside of you. Glory to God. I worship Jesus in heaven, but I operate the Jesus inside me. I worship the Jesus that's in heaven, but I operate like he's inside me. Yeah. Amen. Glory yeah. to God. Verse 10 also says, And I will be to them a God, which talks to us of worship. You have a God for worship. A God dictates your worship. A God receives your worship. To have a God is for worship, for no other reason but to worship him and to have him have his blessings in your life. I remember the first time Eric got to be on the, uh, the CFNI worship tape when he was a student at CFNI. He came home with that new cassette. He said, Dad, we, Dad, we made the new, new, new worship tape at CFNI. We make one every year, you know. He brought it in. He said, Do you want to listen to it? I said, yeah. He said, this is special because I'm on this one. And I said, okay, let's listen, listen to it. About, about 1,500 people on, that, on it back then, you know, singing voices, and I listened to it, and I said, yeah, which one's you? <laughs> he said, I don't know, but I'm there. Glory to God. I don't know. It's like this. Revelation 7, Revelation 7 verse 10, verse 9 says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of the nation, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before, the, before the, the, the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. 
You're worshiping God in heaven right now. That's, your, that's going to be your, your eternal destiny. Get used to it. There's a, it said there's a number no man can number. I got news for you today. John saw, wrote, wrote this and saw you there. Yeah. You cannot have a large crowd without individuals. That means he must have saw somebody there. Who do you see there? Do you think he really saw somebody there? I think he really saw somebody there. Who do you think he saw if he didn't see us? Right. He saw us there. Look at some, somebody next to you and say, he saw you there. And they cannot rewrite the book. They cannot rewrite this book. They saw you there. Yeah. John, I already saw you there. Glory to God. They cannot rewrite the book. Amen. Glory to God. What a thought. Glory to God. Worship is a powerful tool for getting your life in order. I was pastoring this church years ago, this church right here, in a different location downtown. Y'all remember that? I was a good pastor, too. Anyway... I, I, wasn't on, I wasn't on this day. I'm going to tell you, I was not a good pastor this day, apparently. Because a woman, a woman came forward after the service and said, Pastor, she'd been coming about a month or two months, said, I really love your sermons. I really love the way you preach. But you probably noticed that we don't come till after the worship. We don't really get much out of worship here. I said, you don't get much out of worship? She said, no. We love your preaching, but we don't like the worship here. So we come after the worship because I don't get much out of it. I said, oh, well, that's my fault. She said, no, no, we love you. I said, no, that's my fault that you don't get much out of worship because I was, I, I was, I was misinformed, I guess. I didn't know we were supposed to be worshiping you. You're not supposed to get anything out of worship, ma'am. God's wanting to get something out of worship. He's supposed to bring you worship. I'm here to say she never came back. So don't try that. That's not a good thing to say, but apparently <laughs> it was still true. Yeah. Worship is not for you to get some out of it. It's for you to give something yeah. to God. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Glory to God. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Amen. Praise I found something in the dictionary that's in- interesting. Anybody here ever have things go bad? Have you ever had anything go bad in your life? Uh-huh. Let me see your hands of those who had something go bad. I may not be the right preacher, but I sure got the right gum message. You ever had anything get worse? Yeah. And go all the way to the worst? Yeah. The reason it went from worst to worst is because you didn't stop off with it. The only word between worst, worse, and worst in the dictionary is the word worship. From worse to worst, the only thing between them is worship. Stop off at worship. Keep things from getting the, going to the worst. Amen. Glory to God. So good. Amen. John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman at the well. I, mean, I got a revelation from God one night, and he woke me up early in the morning and had me go sit on my front porch, and he talked to me about this. In John chapter 4, I want you to put it up there on the board, if you will, beginning with verse 8. John 4, 8. We're going to go walk right through this whole thing real, real quick. Like, show you something powerful. Mm-hmm. 
John 4, verse 8. For his disciples went away, going to the city to buy meat. Jesus had asked, before that, Jesus had asked the woman, to give, the woman at the well to give him a drink. And the woman said unto him, Woman of Samaria said unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She had a barrier up against this man of God. She had a barrier, barrier of prejudice. Prejudice. When Jesus talked about the water, he was not talking about just water. He was talking about the Spirit. And worshiping God in the Spirit, as, as you know, the end of the story says that. Talking about how to worship God in the Spirit. Not in the flesh, not in the, by the law, but in the Spirit. But she's got a prejudice barrier up. Look at verse 11. I'm, I'm, I'm going to skip Jesus' comments because he's t- he keeps talking to her about water. In verse, verse 11, she says, Then the woman said unto him, Sir... Thou hast nothing to draw with. The well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? That's a carnality barrier. She can't get her mind shifted. to Stop thinking in the flesh and thinking in the spirit. So that's two barriers. Verse 12. And thou art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Now she's got a pride barrier. She, she's a Samaritan, but she's, she's half Israeli. They claim Israel as their father. That's why Jesus wouldn't even talk to her. He wouldn't talk to raw Gentiles. Down in verse 15, you see the next barrier. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. She's still thinking carnally. But also, that is, a, that is a selfishness barrier. She just wants to fulfill her own needs. With it. You know, God, didn't, God did not give you all he gave you just to spend, spend it on yourself. Selfishness barrier. Verse 17. After Jesus said, go call your husband, he's showing her, he's going to show her how it works, what he's really talking about. The woman answered and said unto him, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Well said. I think he must have been smiling when he said that. Well said, I have no husband. You have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. That's the dishonesty barriers up. Verse 19 and 20. And the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou, thou art a prophet. Yeah, you perceive. You're very perceptive, lady. <laughs> this guy just told you everything you ever did. Our fathers worshipped in this, in this mountain, and you, saw, and you say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship God. Jesus lost his cool there, I think. He blew up. He said, Woman, I'm telling you. They that worship God must worship Him in spirit. This is the first time he said the word spirit. God is a spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. First time he used the word spirit was in his answer to this. I think he hates the religion barrier the worst. She got all, she got all religious. 
Six barriers, prejudice, carnality, pride, selfishness, dishonesty, and religion. Barriers to the Holy Ghost. Listen to me. How many barriers did you have? How many men had you had in your life? Six. Bad relationships build barriers against, not against men, but against God. Amen. You got quiet in here. She ran back into town and she said, come see a man. I thought, if I'd have been one of the guys of the city, I'd said, another one? This time, another one? She met man number seven, the perfect man this time. Oh, yeah. Amen. And he didn't say one. She said, after he said, God is a spirit, and they worship him, must worship him in spirit and in truth. She said, I know Messiah is coming. He was talking about the spirit, and she started talking about him. I know the anointed one is coming. Glory to God. We don't need to downplay the activity of the activities of the spirit to, to, to keep from offending people. We need to upplay the activities of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And then in Jesus' name will be exalted. Glory to God. We emphasize Jesus by emphasizing the Holy, Holy Ghost. Amen. Verse 10 again says, And they shall be to me a people. Now it's talking about us having a position with God. Position of security and a position of authority. A few years ago, Terry Sparks and I were living together with our wives in Kyle, Texas, both pastoring churches in the area. We had started, started two churches down there. He was in San Marcos and I was in Austin. And uh, we got up one morning and we went to get breakfast for our women. women women folk and uh, got in the car and we drove to the H-E-B. Anybody know what H-E-B is? Yes. I miss H-E-B. <laughs> H-E-B has everything. It's like Disneyland for shoppers. <laughs> Groceries. Went in there to get breakfast burritos and we uh, came, pulled onto the parking lot we heard this real tinny, tinny, tinny sounding voice blasting all over the parking lot saying, I have been tampered with. 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 I said, what on earth is that? Terry said, I don't know. Oh, I know what that is. He's a gadget guy. He reads all the magazines, you know. He said, that, that, this is long years ago now, 20, over 20 years ago. He said, he said, that's, a, that's one of those new security systems for, for cars. He said, look around, there'll be a Lexus or a BMW or something that with, that, that's got this alarm system on it because they're really, really expensive and the best cars come with them now you, you, or you can buy them and put them on them. So we got up in the parking lot and got out looking over there at the distance trying to figure out which car had that because we didn't see any BMWs or Lexus or anything like that. And a guy comes running out of the store with a fob, pointing it at a little dried up roller skate of a car, <laughs> worth about $15. <laughs> Terry started laughing. 
Y'all know he's bald and he wears a two, used to wear a toupee. Before he was done laughing, his, his toupee was sideways. <laughs> he laughed himself silly. He said, that stupid guy paid more for the security system than the car's worth. <laughs> and I, we went in there and uh, got our food and came back out. And that, that, that space was still empty. The car was gone. Terry started laughing again. I said, no, wait a minute, there's something in this. That little car was sitting there thinking, I might not look like much to you, Mr. Sparks, but somebody loved me and paid a high price for my security. Amen. Glory to God. Give yourselves a praise. Praise the Lord for that. I may not look like much to you, devil, but Jesus loved me enough to give his own life for me, make me secure, give me a position. So I could be called his people. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Amen. Praise God. Position of authority too. Mark eleven fourteen says Jesus spoke to the fig tree with nine words. Mark eleven fourteen, Jesus spoke to the fig tree with nine words. In English it comes out nine words. In Greek it's about six words. Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus told us what we should say in ten words. In Greek, it's about it's uh, seven words, I think, something like that. Jesus told us what we would say ten words, not one hundred and ten, not two hundred and ten, not three hundred and ten. The same about the same amount of words that he used on the fig tree. He said we we'd use the same same number of words because we have the same position he has. As sons and daughters of God. Amen. Amen. You don't have to beg and plead with God to do something for you. He's waiting for you to do something for Him. Act as though you believe it. Act as though your words count. Because they do. Verse 11 then says, And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the, the, the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. I don't have to tell a believer to know God. Every believer knows God. You know God. Don't say I'm trying to know the Lord. You do know the Lord. You know God. You know Jesus. He's inside you. You have to tell yourself, I know Him. If I know Him, I know what He wants. I know His will. Amen. He lives in me. I know my wife. She does not live in me. She lives with me. We spend too much time inviting Jesus to come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I know it's in the book of Revelation, but it's talking about at the end of time, inviting him back to return. That's okay. You just want him to come and show up in your midst here in church. He came when you came. Amen. I'm going to try this out over here. He came when you came. Inviting him to come to church is like inviting my wife to her house. Does make any sense? Does make any sense at all? He came when you came. He is here. You don't have to teach a baby who his mother is. You have a relationship with God. You've been taught of the Lord because he teaches you from the inside, from your heart out. Not outward in. See, he gave the Holy Spirit as a gift, right? 
If I give you a gift, it's your gift to do with what you want to. Don't give me a gift and tell me how to spend it. You just keep that. Amen. God gave you the Holy Ghost. In the Old Testament, the Holy Ghost owned the people. In the New Testament, the people owned the Holy Ghost. He owned them in the Old Testament. We own Him in the New. Big difference, y'all. Amen. We have over-glorified over discipleship because of that. We talk about discipleship all the time. When Paul never uses the word one time in any of the letters he ever wrote, he does not tell them to grow up and be disciples. He tells them to grow up and be sons. Sons of God. Don't over-glorify discipleship. Remember, Judas was one of those. Thomas was one of those. Peter was one of those. They all denied Jesus. John was a son. Sons don't deny their daddies. Amen. We need to get it in your mind that you're a son of God. You're a child of God. You're a daughter of God. The world is not groaning in travail, as it says in Romans chapter 8. Not groaning in travail for a manifestation of the disciples of Christ, is it? Not groaning in travail for a manifestation of the sons of God. That's what the world needs to see. The family of God act like family. See the change in churches every time the preacher says something that offends them. You have the real, real thing. Relationship. God intended on you having a relationship. I, I had a tie one time given to me by the Women's Aglow chapter in San Angelo, Texas. I used to be a, a, um, a super, what do they call them? Sponsor for them, something. Advisor. Thank you. That's what I was. I was an area advisor, in fact. They gave me a, a tie. Her mama gave me a tie that, that had a picture of, of uh, Michelangelo's creation of man. Had Adam down here on the bottom with his, his, with his finger up like that and God on the top with his finger down like this. You know the picture? You know what I'm talking about? And uh, Adam is naked in that picture if you notice. I happen to notice. But on the tie, he's discreetly folded, so his nakedness shows up on the back of the tie. <laughs> so I'm not walking around with a nude man on my, t- on my tie, you know. <laughs> discreetly folded. You didn't think you were going to hear this in church today, did you? <laughs> I married a couple out in West Texas. Elder's daughter, who was gregarious and outgoing and flamboyant in her, in her lifestyle, and she married the bashful, most bashful guy I ever met. <laughs> Kim and Steve was their names, the Hayes, you know them. I was standing there one day talking to the elder, her dad, standing over here, and, her, and his son-in-law, Steve, was standing right here. And Steve was, like I said, just shy, bashful guy. He turned red at the drop of a hat. He's standing right here. His father-in-law elder is right here. His pastor right here. And his wife walks up. 
I've known her since she was 14 years old or 15. She grabbed my tie. Turned it over and looked at it. Turned it over and looked at it. I said, Kimberly, you don't need to be looking at that. <laughs> grabbed my tie out of her hand. She said, oh, I've seen the real, real thing. <laughs> Steve turned bright red. He was just glowing red. And Kimberly said, Oh, no, 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 I didn't mean it like that. I've been to, I've been to Rome. I saw that's the center panel of the Sistine Chapel. I've seen the real thing. <laughs> that's a true story. For there to be a real relationship, there must be two-way communication. And God wants to talk to you, wants you to talk to Him. Like you know him, like a, like a child talks to his mama. Everyone loves to hear the baby speak his first words, but they must be taught to speak their parents' language. Talk the language of God by talking faith. That, that moves God more than anything. He's not moved by need. He's moved by one thing, by faith alone. I need something to happen in my body, but I know I'm not going to try to move God by telling him how bad I feel. Amen. You hear me? Walk by faith and not by sight. Glory to God. I love you all very much. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.